Hello everyone and welcome to episode 31 of Added Time, a Games and Grouch Studio podcast. Another week has gone by in the wonderful world of football. Manchester United have their first silverware under Eric Ten Hag. The first silverware of the season has been taken up there by Manchester United, beating Newcastle uh, 2-0 in the final. I thought it was a decent game and I think the class and the difference really showed uh, eventually in the two sides. And I think the big difference really this season for United is is Casemiro. Now, obviously, he came with a big price tag, 70 million, 31 years of age, and people questioned whether he was here for a, a holiday, a one last payday. Was he going to be another Paul Pogba? Was he going to be another one that just phoned it in almost? But he's showing why he's a serial winner. And he's really, really made a difference to that to that side. Now, Eric Ten Hag deserves a hell of a lot of praise. Hell of a lot of praise. What he's done with that side is nothing short of, of miraculous, really. They were a side that were lacking belief, lacking confidence, you know, lacking quality as well. And it just didn't look like they, they looked United looked like a group of players that weren't being coached and were there purely because oh it's 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 Manchester United, it doesn't matter, we can we'll we'll get away with this. We'll be fine. But what Ten Hag has done, he's got rid of some players. He t- he turfed some players out pretty soon, wasn't interested in offering Pogba a new contract, Lingard. Matic when Matter obviously went as well. And he has brought some players in. He did bring some players in, you know, Casemiro being one of them. Uh, Martinez as well. And um, amongst others. And I've seen one or two people say, well, look, Ten Hag inherited the most expensive squad ever assembled in British football, then spent another 200 million. But what he didn't inherit was a winning team. He inherited... Like I said a second ago, a team that low on confidence, no direction, lacking belief in themselves. And he's turned he's turned that round. I mean, you only have to look at someone like Rashford, who last season, I believe, scored four Premier League goals. He's now on 20-something. In fact, he's scored more than he has in any other season. And that's down to coaching and giving players confidence. Jaden Sancho has gone away, been sent away, get your head sorted, come back. You know, he's, he wants to work with these players. Now, you could imagine that under a, a Mourinho or someone like that, that Sancho would have been sitting on the bench and probably probably even sold by now. So Ten Hag's done done a great job. And I, and I believe that this is the first of a number of trophies that United are going to win. Not only this season, but over the next over the next few seasons, especially while Ten Hag is there, whilst they've got the likes of Casemiro, whilst they've got the likes of Martinez, Rashford on form as well. And not only that, they've started to get a little bit of strength in depth. Now, I still think there is room for improvement. I do think if United are going to season upon season challenge for three, four trophies a season, then they do need to make some changes. They do need to add a little bit more depth into what they've got. 
I said the other week to Sonny that I think they need four or five players in the squad, not the starting 11. I think the starting 11 is pretty strong. There's there's good players in each, in each position. I just think that depth might not be there, you know, once we start to get in the latter stages of certain tournaments and certain competitions. So, look, I could be wrong. I I think they're going to win at least one more trophy. I do believe they're in the title race and there's every chance that they could win the FA Cup and or the Europa League. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a great time to be a United fan. Uh, but one thing I have I have noticed uh, over the last 24 hours since the game finished is the number of people that are all of a sudden Man United fans again. It's it's unbelievable. Where have you been for the last six years, lads? Where have you been? See, you can't just follow your team when they're doing well. You can't just be there for the good times. You've got to be there for the bad times as well. You've got to stick with them. Take the rough with the smooth. Now, bad times for Manchester United are still what a number of, of fans would love for their clubs. You know, guaranteed Premier League football every single season. I'd love that. I'd absolutely love that. I can't complain. You know, Leicester have obviously had some success over the last five, six years. But this season, not guaranteed Premier League football, are we? So, well, we're not guaranteed Premier League football next season. Not yet, anyway. So, great job that Ten Hag's done. Newcastle, look, I know that they're the the new kids on the block, so to speak, when it comes to, you know, being amongst the richest clubs in the world. They didn't go out and spend huge amounts of money in the summer. They bought sensibly in the right positions, you know, strengthened the defence. And again, Eddie Howe, great coach. You know, he's got the defence organised. You know, he's got players like Almiron firing. Joel Linton looks like a completely different player. You know, bought as a centre-forward, now is a absolute midfield general. So Eddie Howe deserves a lot of credit. And, you know, a lot has been said about, you know, Newcastle fans being very excited, taking over Trafalgar Square and all of that. It's their first final for a very, very long time. And they're still waiting for that silverware. And I do believe it will come. You know, they they will get that little slice of luck that they need where they come up against an opponent in a final that, you know, they, they, can, they can beat or, you know, just a little bit more luck in the game itself. Uh, but I th- just thought United were, were the much better side yesterday. Uh, and once it got to 2-0, it did feel like game over. And it felt like that in the in the crowd as well. It felt like the Newcastle fans had sort of resigned themselves to the fact that they weren't going to get back into the game. So uh, fair play, fair play to Eddie Howe and Newcastle for getting to the final. Uh, I'm sure there will be there will be more to come. So that was, uh, yeah, that was the Carabao Cup. And I always feel like the Carabao, you know, the Carabao Cup final is that kind of beginning to the end of the season, if that makes sense because that's the first sort of trophy that is that is won. Yes, you have the, the Community Shield in the pre-season, but in terms of the actual full season and this being a, a 
domestic trophy, then it's the Carabao Cup. And it shows that the season is is starting to wind down. Now, there's still a lot of football to be played. Still a lot of Champions League football. We've got FA Cup games as well over the next couple of days. And, you know, there's still one or two teams in there that will fancy their chances, United being one of them. So I'll have a quick look, actually, at the FA Cup fixtures over the next couple of days. So the next round will be the quarterfinals, I believe. Yeah. So here we go. Fifth round proper. Fifth round proper. Right. Stoke versus Brighton. Again, you know, great opportunity for Brighton, who've had a really good season to get into a quarterfinal, but you never know. Stoke on a on a cold Tuesday night of Brighton got it in them. I'm sure they have. Leicester versus Blackburn. You just never know. Uh, Blackburn, Blackburn doing all right in the championship by all accounts, and it's just one of those things, one of those games where I just kind of worry that uh, is it going to be a banana skin? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I don't. I don't think Leicester are going to win the FA Cup, but then I said that two years ago. So, um, I mean, the good thing is, is that, you know, they are, you know, we are playing a championship side who are in the playoffs. So is their focus really going to be on the FA Cup? Probably not. I wouldn't have thought. But then again, Leicester's focus needs to be on the Premier League. So who knows? Of course, obviously, I'm going to go for a Leicester win. And of course, I am going the game. Really can't wait. Looking forward to that. I always love going to football, regardless of what's going on. Despite what I say on here sometimes as well. Fulham against Leeds is an all-Premier League tie. Bristol City versus Man City. So, yeah, tough one there for Bristol City. Southampton, Grimsby, that has got upset all over it. I'm sure Grimsby will take, even though it is a hell of a journey, down to Southampton, I'm sure Grimsby will take a few thousand fans. Burnley against Fleetwood. Now, again, Burnley flying, absolutely flying in the championship. I, I pretty much, I would say that it is pretty much, you never know with the championship, but I would pretty much say that it is done and dusted in terms of Burnley coming up automatically. Yeah, they are 12 points clear. Sheffield United do have a game in hand, but I mean, they've lost two games all season. So you would expect Burnley will come straight back up, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, uh, given that they've got a different manager now, different style of football. So it'd be interesting to see next season what company does with, with Burnley in the Premier League, trying to play that style of football with those players against tougher opposition. But I do expect them to beat Fleetwood. They, because they're so far clear in the championship. You know they can afford to go a bit further in this cup competition. Man United versus West Ham again. I feel that West Ham's focus is probably elsewhere, and Sheffield United versus Tottenham. You just never know with Tottenham, do you? Sheffield United, like I say, are the team in second in the championship. And they're, they're a little bit clear of third, but they're going to want to make sure that they come up automatically. They're not going to want to go through the playoffs. But you just never know with Tottenham. 
they beat Man City, lose to Leicester, and then beat Chelsea. But then Chelsea not doing great, are they, at the moment? I'm going to talk about Chelsea very shortly. So, yeah, that's the that's the FA Cup fixture. So, it's thick and fast. You know, you look at United winning the Cup yesterday and then three days later, the focus is back on another trophy and trying to get more silverware. But the two the two Manchester clubs are still in there. Tottenham are still in there as well. Uh, one or two other Premier League teams. Hmm. Interesting, interesting few uh, fixtures coming up. Right, at the weekend, we obviously had a few Premier League fixtures. Uh, there was one or two that didn't get played because of the cup final, of course. Uh, Fulham and Wolves played out a one all draw. Villa got a 2-0 win at home to Everton, so Everton still remained down in the bottom three. Leeds got a much-needed win under new manager Javi Grazia against Southampton, who still find themselves bottom. They have announced that their caretaker manager, whose name I can't pronounce, I'm sorry, uh, he's going to stay until the end of the season, which feels like a sensible decision, really. Uh, Leicester, unfortunately, losing to the leaders, Arsenal. I'll come on to that game in a bit more detail shortly. West Ham swept away Nottingham Forest eventually. Uh, took a while, but for, uh, West Ham got there in the end. Man City, very comfortable winners against Bournemouth as well. Palace and Liverpool played out a bore draw nil-nil. And Tottenham beat Chelsea in the big London derby at the weekend as well. So let's talk about Leicester. Uh, Leicester. I came away from the game feeling pissed off uh, for a number of reasons. I think part of me felt that not necessarily that Arsenal were there for the taking, but that I didn't think Arsenal were amazing. I've seen them play better this season. Now, first half, they were they were very good. And, and you know, upon reflection, I, I'm, I'm kind of... I, I'm trying to give myself a good 24 hours before commenting on how Leicester have played or or anything like that. And once I'd sort of calmed down and and processed it and the result and and everything and looked at looked at it at various different ways. Ultimately, you know, a lot of Leicester fans are saying that they felt like Arsenal were were fairly poor uh, and they only beat us 1-0. But then I don't think they had to very, really try. And I thought, actually, first half, Arsenal were brilliant. They were really, really good. Leicester had the one opportunity in the first half, which Iheanacho did score and did finish it really well, but it was ruled out offside. And VAR confirmed that. Arsenal did score in the first half. Um, I mean, VAR did rule it out for a foul on the goalkeeper. I thought it was very, very soft. You know, even with the bluest of blue tinted glasses on, I thought it was really soft. And I think it just shows that no matter what division Leicester are in next season, I think the focus has to be on a goalkeeper. It has to be. Now, I know that 
they're likely going to have to try and find a replacement for Tillemans, a replacement for Madison in the summer as well. But a goalkeeper has to be the, the focus. So for me to sort of sit there, you know, initially on, on Saturday night and think, well, I didn't think Arsenal were that good. And, you know, for them to only beat us 1-0 without our best player, Madison was out ill. Uh, he wasn't injured. He was ill. He was due to play. Uh, don't know if he's going to be playing tomorrow night either, uh, but likely to play at the weekend. But look, we didn't create any chances, and it showed. And for those of you out there that love your your XG, it's not really a stat that I've warmed to, I must admit. Uh, Leicester recorded a XG of 0.01. So that means there was a 0.01 percent chance of Leicester <laughs> scoring in that game based on chances created. Uh, the only shot we had was second half Dewsbury Hall from distance that Ramsdale had it covered. No, there was no there was no danger there really. But that shows how much of a difference Madison makes in the team. And I could sort of see Rogers tactic. It was to try and hold Arsenal for 70 minutes and then go for it. But Martinelli got the goal just after the break uh, and they did score again in the second half, but Saka was offside. And look, if you if you are going to create 0.01 chance, if that's going to be your XG, you're not going to score a lot of goals. And I, I like to talk about how when when Leicester won the league that they went on to win I don't know, I think it was five of their last seven games 1-0 and that is for me that is a true mark of a of a top team that you can score one goal and be like you ain't gonna score against us we don't need to score another one and we, we can if we need to and and look if Leicester had have you know fluked their way to a goal I'm sure Arsenal would have would have found another gear to have got a second goal. So work to be done. And look, Mad Leicester don't need to sell Madison in the summer. He's got another year on his contract. Uh, 2024, his contract ends. It just means that should he stay, he would end up going for free in the summer, similar to what I suspect will happen to Yuri Tillemans, who unfortunately may well have played his last game for Leicester. He went off injured. Uh, he rolled his ankle. He uh, went up for a header with Granite Xhaka. And as he landed, he rolled his ankle, something I've done myself a number of times. And I know how painful it is watching the video. It gave me a bit of PTSD, to be honest, because even now, I, the last time I did it, it was bad. Um, and it makes me shudder thinking about it. It was, it's, it's a, it's a nasty injury and he was seen on crutches and with a, with a walking boot on his left, left foot. So he may well have played his last game uh, for Leicester, but we shall see what happens there. So look, ultimately, you know, you could talk about Arsenal being, they weren't average. They just didn't need to, Go, they just didn't need to try that hard because Leicester were never going to threaten them, really. Uh, too much trying to walk the ball into the net. Yeah, 
yeah, not good, not good. And and the golfing class really did show actually. Uh, and it wasn't that long ago that I would say we were on a par with Arsenal, but Arteta, the job he's done there, getting rid of players similar to what Ten Hag has done at United, getting rid of the the dead wood, getting rid of the bad apples, you know, and getting them to play to a, a style of football. And and credit to Arsenal for the Arsenal hierarchy for sticking with Arteta because there were calls for him to be sacked from certain sections of the Arsenal fan base. So they've stuck with him and, you know, they're well on course for, for maybe maybe winning the league. People still think it's Man City. It's between Man City and, and Arsenal. I still think United are in the mix. But yeah, credit to Arsenal. They did, they did well, um, unfortunately. God. That's enough. That's enough talking about how good Arsenal are now. It's uh, give, give me a migraine. Can't be doing with it. I can't be doing with it. But Leicester have important games coming up. And for me, two winnable games coming up as well, not including the uh, the FA Cup game, of course, which I will talk about those fixtures in a little while. Now, the main thing I wanted to talk about really today was Potter. Not Harry, who's... Books, the books you can probably see in the background there, if you're watching on YouTube, that is. Um, <laughs> and Chelsea, mainly Chelsea, because they are having a, a, just a terrible, terrible season. Now, last week, the Arsenal board or hierarchy, whatever you want to call them, after their defeat to Southampton said, look, we're fully behind... Graham Potter, we're we're looking to build something long-term and we only have to look at Arsenal and see how they have stuck with Arteta and eventually it will, you know, hopefully they're able to replicate kind of what Arsenal are doing and what Arteta's doing and that is getting the philosophy across, getting the style of player across, getting the right players in and, and then eventually getting themselves further up the table. But then the loss at the weekend to Tottenham, even Graham Potter has come out and said, I'm slowly running out of credit here. And he is massively under pressure. He's now the favourite with the bookies to be to be the next manager sacked. Now, is this all his fault? He came into the job. He was never going to turn it down. He was never. You're not gonna. You're not gonna turn it down if you're at Brighton. No disrespect to Brighton, they're having a great season, and I think they're. A, I think I've said it before. I think Brighton are a great football club. I think you know everything that they, the way that they do their transfer business, their transfer dealings, um, the stadium, I think all the, all the other stuff that they do as well. I think they're a great football club. But he's not going to turn down Chelsea to go. Uh, He's not going to turn down the chance to go to Chelsea from from Brighton. And I'm sorry, but these players that have been bought, they're not his signings. They're clearly not his signings. Now, you have to go back as far as the 27th of December to find the last... Chelsea win where they beat Bournemouth 2-0. Since then, uh, in all competitions, they've 
drawn to Forest, lost to Man City twice in the league and the FA Cup. The FA Cup, they were absolutely trounced. Lost to Fulham. Oh, sorry, they beat Crystal Palace on the 15th of Jan. I do apologise. 1-0. Uh, drew with Liverpool, 0-0. Drew with Fulham, 0-0. Drew with West Ham, 1-1. Lost to Borussia Dortmund, 1-0. Lost to Southampton at home, 1-0. And then lost away to Tottenham, 2-0. The big problem here, now barring the 4-0 that Man City, you know, when Man City pumped them, it's quite clearly goals. And they've gone and bought all these wingers and they've gone and spent 80, whatever it is, million on Mudrick and 105, 1520 million on Enzo Fernandez when they need a flipping striker. It's quite clear to see that they need a striker. And I'm pretty sure that Graham Potter is experienced enough and knows enough about football that actually he knows that they need a striker because Kai Havertz is not a striker. Uh, Mason Mount is not a striker and actually can't even get in the team anymore. So what's going to happen next with, with Potter? I would like to think that Chelsea will stick with him because to bring him in and then to buy all these players for him to work with, what's he... What's he meant to do? He clearly, you know, he's inherited some players he doesn't want. Clearly, he's got very little interest in playing Aubameyang. He's not even in the 25-man Champions League squad. He's got more wingers that he knows what to do with. He, he can't know his best 11. Uh, and I just think that he's kind of being let down by one or two players as well. Now, the goal situation... That's a problem that I remember he also had at Brighton. And again, I saw a stat earlier that in the last 10 games, um, you know, Chelsea had a had an X, XG of 0.83, which is, again, for those of you that don't know, that's kind of like an 83% chance of you scoring in a game, um, effectively. Uh, and they've and they've barely scored from from those from those like eighty odd shots. They've scored about three goals, and it was the same at Brighton for Potter. The football was great under under Potter at Brighton, but sometimes they could be guilty of having six, seven, eight shots on target and not scoring, and then losing a game one nil. So it's obviously something that is in his style of play in the tactics that he he uses. But again, he's got to be given time to help bed these players. Now, I think the league, you know, being able to qualify for the Champions League, it's it's gone for Chelsea. It has to. It has to be. You know, they're currently 10th uh, on 31 points. They're, I mean, they're four points off Brentford in ninth, who have got a game in hand. And they are, uh, quick maths, 14 points off the Champions League as it currently stands. They've got a game in hand on Tottenham, but the league's got, the league's done and dusted. They're not going to go down. They're not going to make the Champions League. They might, with a late run, 
they might make the Europa League. And then I think give Potter a preseason where he can, where they they have to get rid of players. I spoke about this the other week with FFP and all of that nonsense. They have to get rid of players. You can't have all of those players. I bet you they've had to extend the bloody car park at the training ground. Can you imagine if all the players turned up? Can you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine Abamyang's there with his, I don't know, gold Lamborghini or whatever shite-looking car he's got. I said shite-looking car because he, he does all these weird colours with them. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm a bit, I'm a bit late. I'm going to have to park it on the road, isn't I? And comes back and he's got a bloody ticket. It's been clamped. It must be ridiculous. It must be bedlam in the morning getting to Cobham. Anyway, give Potter a chance. That's my that's my um, that's my feelings on it. Um, now look, I mean, if Chelsea want to continue to be bad for another couple of weeks, then then yeah, I'm I'm all for that because Leicester have got to play them in two weeks at the King Power. So if they want to be if they want to be crap for another two or three weeks, then I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy with that uh, in all honesty. But you look at, you know, they've, they've scored, well, it's a bit confusing because if you look on the stats, it says they've scored 24 goals in the league, uh, but the table says they've scored 23. Uh, they've scored 23 goals. That is the lowest of anyone in the top 10 by, by a long way. Uh, the next lowest is Newcastle on 35. Uh, they've scored less goals than Villa. They've scored less goals than Leicester. They've scored the same amount of goals as West Ham. They've scored less goals than than Leeds, even. And Leeds are 17th. So, (coughs) excuse me. Goals is clearly the problem. uh, And surely they will resolve that in the summer with a striker. I mean, they've still got Lukaku. And I know they've got Unkuku coming in as well. But is he a centre forward? I've not look. I'll, I'll admittedly, I've not watched a lot of him play for Leipzig. Um, but he feels to me like he's going to be another Kai Havertz. That's kind of a well, they call them second strikers, don't they? You know, Jao Felix is the same. He's a second striker. They need a not that they're going to get him, but they need a Harry Kane, Lewandowski. Lukaku, who they have got, who I still think could do a job, to be honest. He's better than nothing. Better than nothing. But hey, we'll see what happens there. Chelsea aren't, they aren't completely out of getting into Europe. I mean, you know, Liverpool have picked up a couple of wins and they've pulled away into them and they're into seventh. But a couple couple of wins and, you know, not, not immediately, Chelsea. You kind of do it in about three, four weeks' time. They're not a million miles off from Europe, and the, there are some teams around there in the, in the top half of that league, of the league, should I say, that are kind of slipping a little bit. Newcastle being one of them. How are they going to react from that defeat at the weekend? Is it going to? Are they going to shit the bed now? And is that going to be their season just just crumble and they fall away from the Champions League spots, or will it galvanise them? It feels like they haven't really picked up 
much you know, they haven't really been in good form since they since they made since the semi-final even so it remains to be seen what happens there liverpool very hot and cold so it's not completely done for chelsea but look i don't think they're going to get in the champions league but hey, there we go whilst we're on the subject of the table now the table is tight. It is tight at the bottom. It is tight. So Southampton are bottom on 18. Then Bournemouth are on 21. Same as Everton are on 21. Better goal difference. Leeds then on, in 17th on 22. West Ham on 23. And then Wolves make up your bottom six on 24. Leicester also on 24, Forrester on 25, and Palace are on 27. I don't think any of those teams, well, obviously those that are currently in the bottom three are going to be panicking and looking over their shoulder on to the championship. But I think from Crystal Palace downwards, any one of those teams could go. I am just, I'm thankful we, Leicester picked up six points. Uh, a couple of weeks ago by beating Villa and by beating by beating Tottenham because we'd be bottom of the league now. Fuck. It's it's uh it's tight. It really is and uh there's there's teams have still got to play each other. You know, I know that you know Leicester Leicester have got Leeds. Um Leicester got Southampton at the weekend, Forest to play in Everton. Uh you know, Palace have got Villa, who are Villa are above them, and I'm pretty pretty sure they're they're safe now. Um, so yeah, there's some there's some interesting fixtures over the next few weeks. Bottom of the table is going to be. I think both ends of the table it's going to it's going to go right down to the wire. Arsenal are still top, but only two points clear. But they do have a game in hand. Uh, United are only six points behind Man City with a game in hand as well. So, uh, Liverpool, Man, Man United's next league game is Liverpool. So, whilst we're on the subject of fixtures, let's go through. Let's go through this weekend's fixtures. In fact, there's some midweek games as well, which aren't. Neither of them are on the telly, unless uh, <clears throat> unless you've got one of them boxes, which I've not. I'm in London on Wednesday. I could have probably gone the Arsenal. Never mind. Right. Wednesday, the 1st of March, Arsenal versus Everton. And we also have Liverpool against Wolves. So I expect an Arsenal win against Everton, but Sean Dyche, I'm sure, won't make it easy for them. Uh, it's one of those games I can I can just imagine it kind of going right down to the sort of like the 89th, 90th minute and Arsenal grabbing a, a late a late goal. Liverpool Wolves, it feels like these two have played each other about 15 times this season. I think they've drawn each other in both cups. I can't remember, but... Um, oh, no, there was a replay, wasn't there? Um, uh, I still don't think Liverpool are, are fantastic. Um I mean, there's a club that is going through a rebuild or will be in the summer. I'm going to go for a Liverpool win uh, purely because a Wolves Wolves losing is good for my team. Uh, Man City Newcastle. I think Newcastle. I think 
Man City could take advantage of a, a wounded Newcastle here. And then Arsenal play again. Arsenal play Bournemouth. Yeah, I'm going to go for an Arsenal win. I think Bournemouth are really struggling at the moment. Um, Villa Palace. I'm going to go for a Villa win. Brighton West Ham. I'm going to go for Brighton. Chelsea Leeds. I think that will be a draw. Uh, Wolves then play Spurs. I'm going to go for a Wolves win on that one. Just, just got a feeling. Just got a feeling. And then the half five kickoff on Saturday is Southampton versus Leicester down at St. Mary's Stadium, or as I like to call it, the King Power with red seats. Um, it's got to be a win. I, I, you know, I'm, I, I was just about to say, you know, a draw wouldn't be a terrible result, but actually it would. Um, yeah, Leicester need a win. Uh, and if results don't go our way over the next over this next week, then you know that uh, a win will definitely be needed. Um, I'm going to go for a win. Of course, I am. Uh, then on to Sunday, we have Forest versus Everton. So that's a big, big fixture in the bottom end of the table. Forest have got a few injuries. You know, both centre backs re- really strange. Both centre backs got injured at the same time in the same phase of play with the same injury. I think they're pretty much out for the season. It could be an opportunity for Everton to take advantage. You know, the Forest fans are making the city ground a bit of a fortress, making it difficult for teams there. I'm going to go for a draw. Uh, Liverpool against United, a big, big rivalry game, as we know. One of the biggest, in, if not the biggest in the country. I'm going to United. I'm United 2-0. Yeah, I've said it. And then Monday, Brentford versus Fulham. Oh, interesting. Interesting game, that one. I'm going to go for Brentford on that one. So that's it for this week's added. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check out the Clubhouse podcast with Sunny G. Episode 14 is available now on podcast services everywhere. The Games and Grats podcast will also be out at some point this week. And I'm sure Finn Steele will be streaming something obscure and random at some ungodly hour over on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash the Finn Steele. Yeah, that's it. Stay safe, stay well. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Added Football over on Twitter. And in the bio there, in my link tree, is the links to all the podcast pages and sites and everywhere that it is, everywhere. And um, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that lovely stuff. So thank you very much for listening. And I will see you next time. Goodbye.